up y'all and welcome to another episode of worldly church girl it's your girl your host lillian harshaw on today's show i have the visionary entrepreneur media producer pastor john e gurton jr aka pastor g well you are very well known in your pastoral ship and your community service and your entrepreneurship but very few may or may not know that you actually began in journalism what drew you to love journalism well it, it really wasn't first of all thank you for for uh, having me and uh, wanting to have these conversations it's it's very rare that people uh, want to talk about sort of the holistic passage you know uh, mm-hmm. people like to, they like to remember me where they met me so I appreciate you at least asking, uh, you know, these more in-depth questions. But basically, it, it really didn't start with journalism for me. It started because I was a DJ. I started DJing at about the age 13 um, when I really got into it, buying records and all that kind of good stuff. And somebody saw me DJing. They saw what I was doing. And they said, hey, you know, I see you like all these knobs and equipment and all that kind of stuff. There's a program at Indiana Black Expo uh, that helps to train young people on uh, audio video stuff. And they said, you should join it. And I said, oh, okay. And so uh, I started DJing at 13. And at 15, I applied and was accepted into the program called the Youth Telecommunications Workshop of Indiana Black Expo. And that's what got me into the video thing uh, at 15. It, you know, and I would just say that once I got into it, uh, I excelled, you know, uh, I became, they started calling me Hawkeye. And so, you know, not really thinking about it, I, I, I you know, I had a music video that aired on BET uh, in regular rotation before I was eight, 19, 20, something like that. Um, I was the youngest and only African-American cameraman at the 87 Pan Am Games. Um when I got to college, I already had amassed awards and whatnot from Australia for archery and all this other stuff. So it started as DJing and then it transitioned into video through the IBE Youth Telecommunications Workshop. And once I got into it, it just became who I was. So you mean to tell me if somebody put two turntables in front of you right now, you can scratch a little bit. They, as long as they technique 1200. Don't put don't not put the new no digital weak, stuff. <laughs> yeah, don't 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 put no weak stuff in front of me. You put yeah, you give me some twelve inches, some Electric Kingdom or some some Run DMC, some Profile, some Def Jam. Come on now, some of that, and and I'll take you there. Some right? some real hip hop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now you also took your love for journalism into teaching, and you end up teaching at uh, Ball State. Now, how'd that even get started? My co- I had a company, I'm a serial entrepreneur, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. having, having started DJing at 13. Actually, before I started DJing to make money, I would sell peanut butter cookies uh, that I would make. So I started that at my mom's house, selling peanut butter cookies out her back door. And then I would make bikes to make money. I had a paper route to make money. I was DJing to make money. Uh, and so I've always had businesses. I can start, I can start a business in five seconds. I'm up and running. No matter where I've been, I've always started one. And so in uh, once I, I did quite a bit of traveling 
and I don't know if you're going to ask me about the music business or not, but I did a lot of traveling. And then once I landed in Nashville, I built a company called Mass Media uh, Consulting, which I started and wrote the business plan in college for that company. I actually drew the logo while I was sitting in class for the, mm. for the company. And um, when I got to Nashville, I went ahead and built that company up to, I mean, we were doing about a little, well, we were doing over half a million dollars a year, which uh, for a boutique agency was pretty good for a small minority agency at the time. Well, September 11th hit. And when September 11th happened, many of my clients started to close up their purse strings. So we started losing money. And I held on, my company, we held on for maybe another year, year and a half. And, but eventually we had to close the company because we just were not able to make the kind of money we were making prior to September 11th. So after I closed the company down, I got a phone call from a friend of mine who we were ordained in ministry together, Dr. Kareem Jackson. She was a professor at Tennessee State University. And she said, hey, um, we got a situation over here. Um, you have a degree in communication. You got a lot of experience and whatnot. And we just had a uh, chairman of our communication division quit right before classes started. And wow. she said, have you ever thought about teaching? And I said, sure, I thought about teaching. I never, you know, I thought I would retire teaching, you know. She said, well, put your Vita together, send it to me, and somebody's going to call you, like, Monday. I said, okay, what's a Vita? <laughs> I never forget that. I'm like, what's a Vita? I don't know what that is. So we had to look up what a Vita was. I put it together, sent it off to him. And that following week, I went to meet at Tennessee State University about teaching an adjunct position there in communications, radio and television, production, broadcast. Well, this was 2002, 2003, something like that. When I did that, I said, you know what? I never really thought about teaching. So at the same time, I applied for a teaching job at ITT Technical Institute in, um, it, uh, it was called uh, Instructional Design or something like that. And so what ended up happening was ITT Tech called me quicker than Tennessee State. So okay. in October of that year, I started teaching at ITT Tech as an adjunct professor. And then in November, TSU finally called me back and I ended up teaching adjunct at Tennessee State. So I, so I ended up starting teaching at Tennessee State University and ITT Technical Institute. And then that following summer, I got a call from Dr. Um, Dr. Sabril Bennett about teaching a journalism course at the Siegenthaler Center on the campus of Vanderbilt University. So that summer, we brought students in from HBCUs around the country, and we taught them what was called backpack journalism there at the Siegenthaler Center at Vanderbilt. So I did that. And it wasn't until, so that's 2002 to about 2009. It wasn't until 2009, Ball State called and said, hey, we see what you're doing at TSU. By then, I was the director of creative media services. I had left the classroom. I was no longer TV operations manager. I had been promoted uh, to a director. But Ball State called and said, hey, we want to take you back in the classroom if you'd be willing to come up and teach what's called a joint curriculum between communication and journalism. There's very few people in the country that could teach both, but I was uniquely qualified to actually teach both. And so they plucked me up from TSU, uh, called me up from Nashville, gave me a one-year contract, and that's what got me back here teaching at Ball State. I can tell that you were a 70s kid when you said I always was working to make money because that's always. what we did. And it just kind of, and, and you probably like me, you look at these millennials and you're like, y'all don't understand what hustling really was because we yeah. hustled from day one. 
In your bio, you said, and I quote, I'm a talk leader engaged in serving the community. I want you to break that down because I've never heard one say they are a talk leader. And I'm not sure if that's a, a, a spelling error, but that's supposed to be thought leader. Uh, oh, okay. And so it could be a typo or something, but uh, thought leader is what that is supposed to be. And let me describe that and what that really means when I say that. You know, the African-American community is unique in that we don't often know what to do with visionaries, our community. Our community has a very sketchy past with innovators and visionaries. And often what happens is, like when you got someone like me, I've forgotten more business ideas than some people have ever thought of. I mean, I can sit here and I can look at something floating across this parking lot over here and my brain will come up with an idea of how to capitalize on that trash that's floating mm -hmm. across it. I mean, it's just the way my brain, I'm wired that way. And so because I'm wired that way, number one, and number two, because I have access to the internet, and number three, because I'm a 70s kid, okay, because I'm a 70s kid, that means Amen. something. Yes. Because, because of those three things, that gives me a unique ability to create opportunity where for most people, opportunity does not exist, right? And so as a thought leader, what that means for me is that I'm always thinking of ways to do things better, to do things faster, to do things you know, more creatively. That's the way my brain works. The, tra the challenge is I, I, I live in a circle around people that don't know what to do with someone. I'm, I'm often a threat uh, or I'm often misunderstood or... Um, People typically don't figure out, oh, we get it until I'm far down the road, if that makes sense. It makes it, it, makes it rough on me, but what, that, what I do is, is I try to take opportunities whenever I can to identify other young thought leaders and to help them understand what they see or what they're experiencing so they don't do like me and become frustrated, mm -hmm. right? Because when, when you see something that other people don't see, the first thing is, is to say, what's wrong with y'all? You don't see this, you know, mm -hmm. you don't see this mm -hmm. opportunity, right? And you, you do enough of that and it will frustrate you to the point where you start to question yourself. Like, what's wrong with me? How come I keep seeing stuff and nobody else is seeing it, right? And so thought leaders, innovators, servant leaders, uh, creative people have to have an environment that is supportive of that mindset or they will, number one, burn out, or number two, they'll quit. They'll stop thinking, they'll stop innovating, they'll stop creating because there is not a supportive environment that nurtures that creativity or that, that thought process. And so that's what I try to do, is I try to nurture that in other people so that they can know that there's nothing wrong with them, that they right. are okay, and that it is all right to be in a company and have an entrepreneurial mindset while you're working for somebody else. That's okay. Some people can't help it. Right. 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 So, so that's kind of what the thought leader thing is all about. And I, you know, and I don't know what else, I can't turn it off. So I've just learned <laughs> to live with it. You know, uh, uh. <laughs> now, what about that person that doesn't have that circle or can't find that circle? 
what should that person do to encourage themselves until they do find that circle or they create that circle? Well, a couple things. Number one, game recognizes game. All right? Game recognizes game. And typically, if uh, if you here's the deal if if you are an innovator or creator if you are a visionary and if you you got two opportunities two options here number one if it's in you if it's in your dna there's nothing that you're going to be able to do to stop pouring pouring out your gift pouring mm-hmm. out vision there's nothing if it's really in you if it's really in you I don't care what you do to try. You can try to move away from it. You can try to divorce it. You can try to castrate it. You Whatever you want to do, every relationship you get into, it's going to result in the same outcome. Every place you go, every company you join, every person you meet, the same thing is going to happen if it's in your DNA. You mm-hmm. cannot, What it's like It's like seeds. When you plant it, I don't care what you do, something's going to grow. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. I should say more like, more like weeds because you don't even have to plant a weed seed <laughs> A weed is going to grow. It just it just happens. So that's the first thing. The second thing, though, is, is that if a person attempts to suppress what innately is inside of them, game recognizes game. I can see when God has gifted you and anointed you for such a time as this. I can see it in you. I can see you denying it, right? I can see you suppressing it. That's if you're, I mean, if you're a spiritual person and you and you operate based on discernment, and I see more in some people than they see in themselves. As as a visionary, I can see when another person is a visionary and they are suppressing the visionary gifts that God has placed on the inside of them. And so if you don't have a circle, number one, be okay with continuing to pour out, continue to give, continue to sow seeds, continue to do what you have been created to do. Continue to get better, continue to learn, continue to invest in yourself, because one of these days, somebody like me is going to come along and say, hey, how long have you been doing that? I can ask, sister, I can ask you two or three questions, and I know everything I need to know about your production process, everything everything I need to know about your spirit of excellence, right? I I can ask you a couple questions. I can ask you about everything from, uh, from, uh, from, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think uh, if I want to talk about Adobe Audition, I can ask you about Pro Tools, I can ask you about uh, Fruit Loops, I can ask you about, uh, <laughs> uh, I can ask you about, what's it, uh, GarageBand, I can ask you about Adobe, I mean, uh, uh, whatever, I can ask you several questions on the audio tip, I can ask you several questions on video tip, I can ask you about Premiere, I can ask you about Final Cut Pro, I can ask you about Media, whatever, Media 100, Avid, and by, and, and someone who is w- walked in your moccasins, can see, okay, I see what you're doing. I see where you're going. I see how you're handling it. All you need is to make a left right here, and you're going to be right where you want to be because I've been there. I know how you're thinking. I know how frustrated you are. I know where you're trying to go. I can see because I've been there. And so if you don't have a circle, here's what I say. Never stop doing what you do. Never stop trying to do it to do it on another level because one day right i always get up and say today might be the day one day the right person will see you doing the right thing and and you can become elevated because you weren't what what, what how they say it uh you weren't i don't remember how they say it but my point is is that you can wait 
for the opportunity and then prepare, or you can prepare so that when the opportunity comes, you ain't got to wait. You go right into it. And that's the mm-hmm. point I'm trying to make. You don't wait to be great. You just keep doing what you do. And trust me, God will make, he'll, he'll make room for you. Your gift will make room for you. And you'll be able to go to do the things you want to do. But if you give up and you quit and you suppress and you hide and you run, then when the opportunities come, you ain't ready. Because your pastoral ship, do you feel that it has prepared you for the journey that the Lord has you on right now? The, the path to the pulpit is through the pew. It's mm-hmm. walking past the pew. You got to walk past the pew to get to the pulpit. That's and right. What that really means is, is that from a theological, a theological perspective, we talk about exegesis all the time. And exegesis just means that you, that you, that you sort of dissect the word of God in order to glean what it means for, for the time that we're in right now. That's, that's exegesis. And what, Theologically, we have to do in order to prepare ourselves for pastoral leadership is that you have to eisegete the pew. In other words, you've got to dissect what what mama and them and what daddy and them and what this member, the usher board and them, and all you got to dissect their lives. Mm-hmm. You got to understand what they've been through. You got to understand what they're facing. You got to understand their highs and their lows. You got to understand their struggles. That's why I went to the street, okay? That's why I went to the tent. I went to the tent because I knew that the only way I could be effective in the pulpit is that I first had to understand what the people, not just in the doors, but the people that walked past the doors were going through. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that? You got you to gotta build relationships with them. You got to talk to them. You got to spend time with them. And that's part of the exegesis that is necessary. And that's been my journey. My journey has been understanding what depressed, bipolar, schizophrenic, addicted, sad, depressed people have gone through. Those folk who have lost their homes, who have lost their health, who are losing their relationships and their marriages, almost lost their lives, those folk contemplating suicide, those people who have lost loved ones, hearts ripped apart, grief-stricken. My job is to understand innately what you're going through so that I can allow God to fill my mouth up with the words that I need in those times when you need somebody to give you a word. God has used my journey of contemplating suicide, sis, of at one time in my life having $15,000 in my pocket every weekend, of starting a company, growing it to half a million dollars and losing all of it and not having two pennies to rub together. He's used my journey for not just a pulpit inside four walls, but he used my journey to prepare me for a virtual pulpit outside four walls, which is where I am today. I'm going to talk about your uh, marketing and uh, communications company too. What is it? The, what is the name of it, and what's it about? Gert Enterprises, uh, Gert Enterprises LLC, and basically we do audio, video, print, new media, multimedia, web, you know, uh, design, creative design, printing, all that kind of stuff. So we broker uh, some of it, the printing. I don't have print machines at my house and digital stuff, so we have to broker some of it. So anybody that looks on the front of uh, Martin University, they see that big M. So we did that. Uh, they've seen billboards that we've done throughout the city. Some people have seen you know, our videos on TV, Lawrence Township. You go into the movie theaters back in the day, you would see our commercials run uh, that we produce for them. Um, websites, you know, we've done the branding and the website for Near Northwest uh, NNW. So we did that for them. We did, we're doing 
Uh, we're, we're right now we've contracted with Flannery House to get ready to do their website. Barnes United Methodist Church, we're about to do their website. Uh, and th this year we just got into virtual events. And so well, we just did a virtual event for Starfish Initiative, which is a major mentorship program. We did a virtual event for Girls Inc. in Johnson County. And, and um, uh, we also did a virtual book signing for uh, several authors. So now we're into virtual events and trying to help people raise funds because they can't have their face-to-face -face uh, face -face fundraisers. So we use our platforms in order to allow people to still uh, do their fundraising. Uh, and that's kind of what we're doing now. And was it hard for you to transition into this new way of life as far as virtual and versus being face-to-face? -face? When, when you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. That was the <laughs> thing I was trying to come up with. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. When this, look, I was in Alaska speaking. I had a speaking engagement in Alaska at the end of February of this year. Uh, everything was cool going to Alaska. I got up there. Everything was great. Did, did what I had to do. I had to preach at the church on Sunday. I was working with the Black Caucus of Alaska uh, for their conference on Saturday. Man, everything was great. Got on the plane on my way back to Indianapolis. I started seeing all these masks and stuff. I'm like, what the heck? What are y'all doing? Like, why are y'all doing this? Like, what's happening? You know, I'm coming downstairs to the lower 48, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And almost immediately, I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying to help somebody. If you're listening to this and you're trying to figure out, you know, how God calls people into certain things, almost immediately, I couldn't sleep at night. Mm. And something was telling me that this was the real reason why I retired from pastoring. Oh. And I was like, what? What am I supposed to do with this? And it's like, and, and the Lord was telling me, what do you mean? What are you supposed to do with it? You've been doing it all along. We started our first virtual church in 2008. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's 12 years before this pandemic. I was preaching from truck stops and malls and parks. I was preaching anywhere I get a Wi-Fi. Way back in 2008, we were doing virtual. Mm -hmm. So when the when the pandemic happened and churches was closing up their doors, the Lord was like, this ain't nothing to you. You've been doing this. All you got to do now is find the right technology, implement that technology and help other people do what you started doing over a decade ago. Right. So there was no time for it. There was no transition for me. We my income plummeted from January to March, 80 percent. We went choo, straight down. OK. Once we started implementing this technology, we started seeing our income during the pandemic go up, 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 up. And that's the trend that we're on right now. So we didn't really have a long time to try to figure out the transition. Once things started shifting, right, I already had the studio built. I'd already acquired all the equipment. All I needed was the technology. And, 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 and the technology that we implemented, we have use this technology so effectively that the manufacturer, the creator of the technology out of Boston reached out to us to feature us on their global platform because nobody else was doing what we were doing the way we were doing it. And so that's why that's why I'm doing three workshops at a big conference, the, the Inspire Conference in Memphis next month. That's why the, the, uh, the Black NBA Association has me doing workshops for them. That's why the Center for Congregations called me and said, hey, we want you to do workshops. It was so bad that they asked me how much I charge to do seminars and workshops and webinars. 
I gave them a number and they said, oh, well, we can do better than that. The number they offered me was three times higher than what I offered them. <laughs> Hello, somebody. I'm just saying this. And what I'm saying, this isn't about me. This is about I'm trying to help somebody else understand. I wasn't. I, 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 I stay ready. What I was already doing it. I was already doing it. I didn't put it down. I was already doing it. So when the opportunity presented itself, all I had to do was just walk straight in. You and your uh, wife just did a um, an unconference. She's beautiful, by the way. Congratulations. I know. <laughs> I know. She's, I, said, yeah. I said, why she look so good during the pandemic? <laughs> I used to see her. Y'all know, you know, I don't know if she's going to mention it. We just celebrated 25, our 25th wedding anniversary. Oh, right? well, congratulations. Yeah, I know I only look like I'm 25. I know. I know I don't <laughs> That's look that like 70s that juice. Long. We look good. <laughs> I'm to, yeah, I'm trying to. Well, you know, I'm a 60s baby. I'm not a 70s baby. I'm a 60s baby. I was born in the 60s, right? Okay, so, 60 what? Seven? Si- 69. 69. I, you know what? Okay, I was born in 72. So all I'm right, not so that. Right. I'm not that behind my juice. Yeah. So, okay. So, so, but I'm going to claim, I'm going to claim the 60s, all right? But anyway, <laughs> uh, so we celebrated our 25th anniversary. And again, this is not about me. This is about doing what you got to do to make sure that you can take advantage and you can do what you want to do when you want to do it. We got to our 25th anniversary and I said, you know what? This is the 25th. You're supposed to do something special on the 25th. It's silver anniversary. You know, uh, it happened, came really fast. The kids grew up really fast, all that kind of good stuff. And so I thought to myself, I said, what has my wife always wanted? I said, I want to get what my wife has always wanted. And she's always wanted a convertible car, a convertible. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to tell y'all, I went out and I bought my wife. You can edit this out if you want to. I went out and I bought my wife a, a, a sporty BMW hard top convertible. Hey, man. I showed I'm you. not editing this out. Why would I do that? I said, because, you know, some folks can't handle that. Uh, but I t- for us, I said, she deserves it. She put up with me for 25 years. She put up with all these little companies I was starting for 25 years. We've had some good times when we were giving cars away. And we've mm-hmm. had some, le- some lean times when they was coming, they was, they was picking the car up and towing it away, right? So... <laughs> Uh, so she deserved it after 25 years, and yeah, she's still my ride or die when it comes to things like the unconference. Yeah. And how does I mean, how was the for your first annual one? How did it go? It was amazing. It was a lot of chaos on the backside, but what we've come to understand is that when you do virtual events on the level that we were doing that one, that backside, all that activity that that y'all don't see on the front side. It's just part of it. It's just part of it. You're going to have tech support. We had to have people on the phones, people on email. It was just a lot going on. Uh, took us about three months to really pull it off. Again, we had to find the right technology. Uh, it was a learning curve for everybody, but especially me because I'm I'm kind of the host, tech guy, all that at the same time. So it, it really did go very well. It was a, it was, it, it was a lot. But the feedback we've gotten so, thus far has been positive. Racism in the ter- in the church, one of the subjects that church folks don't really like to talk about. Just one of the many subjects that church folks don't like to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, honestly, again, I think that this is part of why I've I've had to retire from the pastorate in in a predominantly black church because there are some issues that we are not dealing with 
as as a as a as an institution, as an organization, as a you know organism. There are some things that we need to deal with. Now, having said that, part of the reason why, as a, as a body of believers, we need to deal with it is number one, the the, the scriptures mandate that we deal with it. We got to call mm-hmm. some things that are that do not flow with Malachi, where uh, we need to uh, uh, love. Uh, justice, mercy, and walk humbly, right, before our God, mm-hmm. if, we, if, if we're not going to flow with that scripture, we need to call some things out. And the black church uh, has gotten away, has veered away from our responsibility to call out injustice, call out the lack of humility, even amongst our own leadership and those who are within the structures of the church, as well as not, not recognizing our role in mercy. When we veer when we veer away from that, we have to take the opportunity to look in the mirror and call a spade a spade and say, you know what, we got some work to do. And I don't see the black church doing enough of that. Having said that, the reason why we have to have that conversation and the reason why scripture, I believe, mandates that we call some things out is because the historic white church has caused, has created an environment that they themselves complicitly don't want to deal with. Mm-hmm. That is what has their role been in using religion to justify the subjugation of an entire race of people. Right? Yes. Yes. And, and, and so this is why I believe that that race uh, and class and religion have some work to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is this is why I say we got some work to do. Amen. What do you do that is not church related or business related to just Wusa? I sit outside Starbucks doing interviews on Skype. <laughs> no, <way. laughs> no, sir. That is not a Wusa. This is still work related. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, for real though. Not nah, for real though. What I love to do is I love to do things like this. I mean, where I can, you know, um, I feel like whatever I, whatever God has taken me through over my 40, I'm, I'm, I'm over 50 now, but just say whatever God has put me through in 40 years, I ought to be able to take 40 minutes and help somebody else keep them from going through some of the things that I've been through. Mm-hmm. You feel me? So mm-hmm. if, I, if I've been on this earth for 50 years, 51, going on 52 years, I need to take 50 some odd minutes to keep somebody else from having to, to go through some of the things that I've been through. And so to be quite frank, I hope that makes sense to be quite frank. Th- these, like when I'm in the educational inst- institution, when I'm teaching my classes, you can ask any of my student, former students, they'll tell you my classes were not about just what was in the book. Mm-hmm. My classes were about life. Whether we were talking about broadcasting, where we were talking about journalism, talking about communications, instruction, whatever it was we were talking about. I can always find a way to steer that conversation towards life. Okay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's what gets me up in the morning is not how, not how I can be blessed, but how I can be a blessing to someone else. And so I can, I can exhale, right? Mm-hmm. I can exhale when I know that throughout a day, I have found somebody that I could encourage. Right? Yeah. I, I found somebody that I can lift up like you saw me do. I, it, it was, I was late getting on the call because I'm on the phone trying to encourage someone through a difficult 
season in their life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and part of that is you got to give what you want to receive. You know, I feel like if I don't give it, then when it's my turn, right? When it's my mm-hmm. turn and I need it, I want to know that somebody is going to be able to stop and say, look, you know, you bless me. Let me turn around and be a blessing to you. Um, and, and, that, and that happens. That, that happens. Every now and then I get a message from somebody who, who reminds me of something I said to them and they don't know that I needed it. I needed them to regurgitate to me what I said to them at that time in my own life. I plant seeds and then sometimes I water seeds. You know, sometimes I purge. I had to cut some people, you know, and I don't make no bones about that. I'm transparent. I tell it like it is. Um, you know, and that's what that's what gives me my woosah moment when I can be an encouragement <laughs> to someone else. Give yourself two adjectives that describe yourself and why. Mm. Two adjectives. Um, I am an innovator. Why? I don't know. I, I just, I don't know how not to. I don't know how not to think of ways to do things faster, better, cheaper, easier, whatever. That's just my nature. I don't, I don't know. That's just part of what I do. The other thing is, I think I would say that, and I've used this word already, I'm an encourager. I'm encouraging because, again, you know, you know how a car, you can shift it into gears. And when you, when you get the joker into like fourth and fifth, you like really moving, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I'm encouraging, that's like me being in fifth gear. You know, it's like that's when I'm really cruising. When I can, when I can exhort and 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 lift somebody up, right? And I can remind somebody of who they are in Christ. I can remind them that they were created with a purpose. I can remind them that they cannot leave this earth without depositing their seed into this atmosphere. When I can remind people of that, that man, and my mother told me once, she said, she said, you have a gift. She said, you can, you can make, when you talk to people, you make them feel like they're the only person on this earth. There's no anybody that has the ability to zero in on somebody and really let them know that I see you, that I hear you, that I understand you, and that I'm here for you. That's what God has put me on this earth to do. And that's what I try to do. It's weird because a lot of people don't know how to accept a person like that. You know, they're always thinking I'm fishy, like, you know. You're up to something. Yeah, you can't really want to know. You know, you can't really want to encourage. You can't really, you know. But, you know, those people have their own, uh, they have other issues. They have back hurts and stuff that has happened in their past. They don't trust because somebody has put their brains in that place. But if I genuinely say, that I'm here for you. You know, I have to sometimes say pe- pe- say to people, is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything I can do to support you? Is there anything I can do to help you? Is there any way I can pray for you? I have to say, no, really. Because yeah. I don't think they believe me, you know. Uh, that doesn't change me. I- I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to be that same guy that's an encourager. And I don't know how to turn it off. Again, it's just part of my DNA. Yeah. I used to... Uh... When I was in uh, a property manager, I used to tell my uh, boss at the time that I was a chameleon. I could become anybody that walked into that door, but a professional version of them. And that's how I could sell to them because yeah. it's easy to buy from you when you were talking to you. Right. And that's what you have. That's the gift that you have. You are a chameleon, but 
the version of the person you're talking to is that godly version of them. So that's why they're just like flabbergasted by, they see what they could be and they don't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I say it like this, one of the reasons why uh, the, you know, the church, the way it is today is kind of like oil and I'm kind of like water, you Mm -hmm. know, is because I would preach Sunday after Sunday. Uh, Many times I would teach on Wednesday after Wednesday and what, and I, I, I would feel again, remember I told you about that fifth gear. I would feel the struggle to get from third to fourth to fifth. I'm preaching and it's good. I mean, I want to listen to the tape myself, right? It's mm-hmm. really good. Like God is speaking to me. This ain't my notes. This is coming straight from the Holy Spirit. And I feel myself trying to get from third to fourth to fifth. But what I'm getting back from the people is, you know, we like, what you, we like what you're doing. We like what you're saying. But truth be told, we're going to walk out of here and we're going to do the same thing we always been doing. <laughs> you know, and I can sense that in the conversation. So let me tell you, let me say it like this. But but let a stranger walk into the church. Let let a, an addicted person walk into the church. Let a homeless person walk into the church. You know, let a troubled person walk into the church and my spirit will connect with them. And all of a sudden, I'm not preaching to anybody else but that one person. And that person gets me from third to fifth gear like like that. Like, boop, boop, I'm there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because, because I can sense that there's somebody who's hungry. There's yeah. somebody who walked in and they said, you don't know, Pastor, you are my last shot. If, if, if you don't encourage me, I'm putting a bullet through my brain. Mm-hmm. If you don't encourage me, I'm giving up. This is the last straw. I'm throwing in. If you don't say something that's going to turn my, it's going to turn my mind in the other direction. That's it. I can sense that, and that's when I hit fifth gear, and that's when you know I don't know what all these other people are going to do, but I can tell that the Lord sent me to speak in that moment to that one homeless person right there right mm-hmm. and so again that's why i really feel like right now my job is virtual you know my job is virtual so sometimes i preach funerals of people i don't even know because my job is is it's not about the deceased now it's all about the people who are sitting out there in in front of me who are grieving and god has connected us in that grief so that i can speak a word that will encourage them and give them a reason not only to live, but to give them a reason to have a full life. But the Bible, the Bible calls life more abundantly. Yes. Know? And that's what, and that's my job. So anyway, you didn't ask for all that, but I'm just throwing it out for free. I, I can't, well, did I ask or did I not? I think I did. Oh. <laughs> you didn't give me an extra biscuit with that chicken basket. <laughs> That's a good one. I love that. I love that. So, yeah. so how can people contact you? Oh, uh, you know, um, I got a couple of websites or LinkedIn. I mean, obviously you can find me on LinkedIn and just uh I think I'm John Girton on LinkedIn, I think. Mm-hmm. Um I'm Pastor Girton in a lot of places. I'm John Girton in some other places. Uh certainly I'm Pastor Girton on Facebook. 
at Jay Gerton on Twitter. Uh, 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 Gert Speaks is the website um, that clearly we have a typo. Uh, <laughs> we got to <laughs> fix that typo. But uh, yeah, uh, GertSpeaks.com is my speaking website. GertEnterprises.com uh, is our business website. Anybody can go there. We have a free media mentor academy available where you can learn a lot about media, particularly in ministry and all that kind of stuff. So that's available to anybody that goes to that website. I've got an ebook out there um, on, that helps uh, really any institution that wants to get into media and they don't know what to purchase or how to connect it all up. I have all that stuff on my website available to anybody that drops in at GertEnterprises.com. Uh, and I don't know, I guess that's it. Okay. And you know what? I actually looked back and you was right. It was thought. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, like, it was oh. my it was my typo in my notes. So <laughs> I'm gonna just say that uh I can't spell, but I can count change really, really fast. <laughs> hey, 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 I get I'm right there with you. If it wasn't for Grammarly. Hey, <laughs> come on now. That is the word right there. <laughs> if it wasn't for Grammarly, you know, we'd be in trouble. Now you didn't ask me about the music business. So we're going to have to come back on and talk about the music industry. Okay. We definitely have to do that. So, But here's the funny thing. My last question is a music song. It's a music question. You Uh, ready? uh Uh-oh. All right. So if you could have any song be your theme song that's not yours, (laughs) when you walked into a room, what would it be and why? Uh... Wow, I'm a lover of all music, so that's hard. Uh, so I can't even tell you what my favorite song is because that would confuse people. No, it won't. Well, maybe, you know what? Maybe now, here's Kendrick- the thing. I've had, had people have multiple songs, so you can do that too. Yeah, maybe Kendrick Lamar, we're going to be all right. Okay. And I don't know if that's the exact name of the song, but... And there may be some areas of the song that I might not agree with, but the the chorus, the we gonna be all right part, is just kind of where I am right now. Mm-hmm. Um, in my spirit, that's just where I am. Um, so I, I think that probably would be, you know, I could bounce to that. Okay. On my, on my way into the room, I could bounce to that. Okay. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I don't know. I, I know what you think. It's some church folks gonna be all extra about it. Blah 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 blah. Oh no, 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 I was gonna no, say I, they be all right. <laughs> I didn't even. I did not even have a church song. The other one's gonna be my favorite song is Reasons. I was trying to be. Uh, I, wait a minute. Uh, okay, I'm uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Hello, hey, we can talk. Hey, I I, I used to spin the record, right? We yes, can, you did. I, I I can I can go back to Heat Wave. Come you know, on, all of that. We can go switch. To, uh, yeah, all of them. We, we, we can talk about all of them. So, yeah. <laughs> so, but no, I think that in this season that we're in right now, I think that the Kendrick Lamar, at least the, the chorus of the We Gonna Be All Right is, is just where I am in my spirit uh, right now. Uh, and, and, you know, and it, and it does make you nod your head and all that right. good stuff, too. But I would have had to have thought about that one a lot, a lot deeper um, to really come up with something that that uh that i could really hang my hat on so i'm, I'm kind of knee-jerk when i say that but it is what it is okay well i tell you what when we have you back well when i have you back for a part two and we talk about your mu- music industry uh moments then i ask the question again 
Oh, okay. You're going to give me some time. All right. I'm going to give you some time. I'm going to give you some time. I'm And so I don't know how soon we could do a part two because your schedule's pretty tight. So uh, you let me know. As long as, I mean, I, my schedule doesn't really get tight until within two weeks. So like, like three weeks out, I'm clear for mm-hmm. the most part. But if we get, if we get too close, like two weeks too close, that's when things start jamming up. So I, I'm, I'm typically pretty good. Okay. All right. Well, I'm gonna let you go because it's probably getting toasty out there. Good old Starbucks. It is. <laughs> it is. I'm gonna go ahead and give me some water. I ain't gonna buy nothing. Give me some water. I can't afford to. I didn't bought that BMW. I ain't got no money. I'm broke now. You know what? You better have somebody put some gas in that car. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So you can't put no 87 in that, can you? Boy, like my old pastor said, you can't walk up to the gas station talking about hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. It's not going to fill up. (laughs) You know what? That's what I tell people all the time. They be talking about, you know, uh, talking about what you know what we drive and all that, and I'd be like, you know what, you can have my car and the car payment and the gas and the come uh, out and the insurance. That. You got to be careful what you ask for, okay? Because when that we it. buy stuff, when we buy them Mercedes and all that kind of stuff, we also bought them tires. Yeah, oil change. You can't yes. put any kind of oil in them jokers, you know? No sir. So, um, so yeah, man, I, people be talking crazy, and I just be I talk crazy right back. Like, okay, you want my car? You can have it. All of <laughs> you know, yeah, maintenance on those cars ain't a joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. my be, husband I, got a Beamer, and I want an Audi. So yeah, yeah, I bought a Mercedes, took it to the oil to get the oil change the first time several years ago, and they were like, "Oh yeah, that's gonna be uh, right out one hundred and ten dollars." Like what? Yeah, it so much. They said, "Oh man, you you got to put five quarts in synthetic, uh, synthetic oil." oil. Yeah. yeah, synthetic in that joint. I'm like, what? Like, yeah, hey, you can't just you can't just pour oil in this thing. What's wrong with you? <laughs> can't just I use regular know. 40D. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't do that. I was like, man, I had no idea. Well, I learned then mm-hmm. that uh, I told my husband, yeah. this is a setup from hell. <laughs> yeah, they ain't, they ain't playing, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we we when I hear that kind of stuff, you know, again, I, I you know, being around the block a couple times as as we have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and 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 you talked about this about being a '70s baby and all that, and we talked about the younger generation. And one of the challenges that I'm having with the younger generation is that they want to get to where we are without paying the cost that we pay. Yeah, yeah. You know, without going. They want through it what right now. Through. Yeah, and I, and I'd be like, you know, I'm gonna help you out real quick. You know, uh, yeah, it's been 25 years before I was able to pay cash for my wife's uh, convertible BMW. It took me 25 mm-hmm. years to get to a point where I could just walk onto a lot and be like, here, take this car, here's some cash, let me have that. You know, right. you don't right. just do that. That don't just happen, you know? No. People come to, come to our house and go, how you end up in a house like this? Well, the heck, we started with a townhome. We do mm-hmm. anything in Colorado Springs, you know? People, mm-hmm. they, I don't know, it's something about it. They just, they, and I, part of it I understand. Part of it I understand that the, that the economy and the job markets are shifting to the gig, gig economy. And yes, it is important to know how to manage yourself and to be somewhat entrepreneurial. I get that. But even in that, there's a process and there's a way in terms of learning and being the being a subject matter expert at what you're trying to charge people for. That is a process. You don't just wake up and all of a, all of a sudden, you know, be, you know, one of those certifications. You don't just automate. And even if you get the certification because you don't have the experience. Right. You, know, you might have the certification, but you ain't seen enough situation scenarios to know how you're going to respond professionally to earn your keep. 
And right. that, I don't know, it's something about them that, you know, a lot of them are missing and they trying to work with people like me. And I'm like, I can't even work with you because the first thing you want to do is ask me how much am I going to get paid? Hell, you don't get right. paid nothing. You don't know nothing. <laughs> I got a degree. So freaking what? Okay. I got a degree. I, you know, here's the deal. People look at websites that I do and they think I got a computer science degree. And mm-hmm. I don't. Because mm-hmm. nobody, nobody was doing websites when I was in college. Right. Nobody, what a website? What's a website? No. The, right. right. There was there wasn't even internet. Yeah. So a degree. What's it, a degree? Well, it was the dial-up back yeah. then. Yeah, modems and stuff. So when nobody doing websites, and so you and I both know that you get a degree today, seven years later, you're doing something that you didn't even study in school. Ain't that right? it? Right? Because mm-hmm. what, what you ultimately do has not yet been created. And so what I try to help young folk with today is, is that you get the degree to learn how the discipline. You got to get the degree so you learn how to do the research, how you learn how to be disciplined, how you learn how to learn, which is to mm-hmm. unlearn and to re- and to relearn. That's what you go to school for. When you come out, there's a whole nother education that you got to go through. And you're not going to just automatically walk into a consultancy and you don't know nothing. People right. are going to just pay you what I get paid. I charge $125 an hour. Mm-hmm. Right? And I got a kid come and walk to me, uh, 13, no, he's 14 years old, asking me how much can he charge to do a video? He's 14. i like, <laughs> okay, here's what I said. Here's what I said. I said, young man, I said, will you be honest with me? You know, and we were texting each other. He said, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I said, what is going on in your life or in your family mm-hmm. that is causing you to want to make money this early on when money should be the furthest thing from your mind? Mm. And so he started, he gave me a couple things. And then I would say maybe five hours later, he sent me a message back and he said, Pastor G, will you pray for me? I, I checked him back. I said, sure, I'll pray for you. He said, because my parents are going through and I feel like I'm in the middle. And that's when I understood that there's something going on with this young man because no 14-year-old should be reaching out to somebody with 30 years of experience asking me how to make money. Do- I mean, there's no way he can charge what I charge. There's no way. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, no way he to do the video that he did. I mean, <laughs> if I, I mean, if I did the same video, I could charge nowadays two hundred some dollars. He couldn't charge twenty five dollars for that video. Mm. And, and certainly he would not understand why he'd be like, right. I can't. Well, you get two hundred twenty five. First of all, my my normal rate for something like that, they should they should be paying fifteen hundred dollars for that. I'm doing them a favor. That means you can't even do them a favor mm. because you you just don't have the experience. So that's what I'm getting from a lot of young people. They don't have the experience. They don't have the expertise, but they want to demand the money. And it's like, I, uh, you know, I, I don't know how to help you because, you know, if that's where your brain is, you're going to have to go through some real hard knocks to find out that, that it's going to take a while before you, you know, and I don't know if you noticed, I don't know if you had a chance to see my daughter was uh, involved in the unconference this year. Mm-hmm. Um, she's 21. She's a senior at IU. And uh, with all the stuff that was going on with regard to the George Floyd protests and all that, a lot of her friends were all kind of like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? They didn't want to march 
because of the COVID stuff and, you know, the masks and all that, but they wanted Mm -hmm. to do something. So we just told them, all right, y'all in charge of the logistics for the unconference. So we gave them something to do. And so they were the chair, they were the committee heads, they did all of the backside stuff. And my wife said, she said, you were really hard on her. You was really hard on her. I was like, what? I wasn't hard on her? She's like, yeah, you were. Yeah. Yeah, you were. And I said, well, you know, I'm sorry, but you know, (laughs) I I I treat, I treat all my students. I treat all my children. I treat them all the same because I expect, Mm -hmm. I expect the spirit of excellence out of them. I expect the most out of them. When we, you know, I I tell my daughter all the time, I didn't raise you to be no Hugo. Right. I raised you as a Maserati. All right. Come on now. That that means that, that you can't just, I can't put any kind of tires on you. Mm -hmm. I can't just, I can't, take you to any gas station. Can't right? take you to you, Jiffy Lube. No, no. When you need, when we need work done on you or whatever, we got to take you to special places because right. anybody can't work on you. Come on you now. Know? And so that's how I am with my students. That's how I am with my children. So when she said I was hard on, I was like, okay, well, I don't know what you expect me to do. <laughs> I'm not going to be easy on my investment. What I invest right. in, I expect to get a return. That's so, funny because with my girls... As far as I can remember, if I've always bought them something for Valentine's Day, I was like, if a man can never outdo your mama, then he is yeah. not the man for you. <laughs> I, know, I know that's right. I, I, I'm right there with you. I am right there with you. I'm right there with you. Well, all right, girlfriend. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. And we'll get part two up and running soon. All right. I'll be here. All right. Think about that song. Oh. <laughs> I will. All right. right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. (laughs) Thank you, Pastor G, for being on my show. I really appreciate you showing us that you can be an entrepreneur, a forward thinker, and still boldly walk in faith. And if you would like to be a worldly church girl, click the link below, shoot me an email, and let's see what we can do with that thing. Have you subscribed? What are you waiting for? You should go ahead and subscribe. That way you will never miss another episode. And once again, thanks for joining your one and only Worldly Church Girl.